You are listening to episode five of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a deep dive into the training of Jakob Ingebrigtsen. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I'm your host, Nicholas. This episode features a deep dive into the training of one of the up-and-coming stars in the world of track and field, Jakob Ingebrigtsen. I'll be analyzing some of his key training techniques and what makes his training methods unique compared to others. The goal of this episode is to provide listeners with a greater base of knowledge on the training of a runner who I think will be one day become one of the greatest distance runners of all time. If you are new to the Sunday Shakeout, this show features guest interviews, training analysis and tips, gear reviews, and more. With tips for beginning, intermediate, and advanced runners alike, listeners will be provided with insightful information that will help them get faster, stay injury-free, and be happy. Jakob Ingebrigtsen is a part of a magnificent and talented brotherly trio of Norwegian distance runners, accompanying Philip and Henrik Ingebrigtsen. They've all won European championships in track and field and have propelled each other to unimaginable heights. Since 2018, Jakob has proven himself on the world stage as one of the greatest distance runners to ever live, winning the European championships in the 1500 and 5000 meters, and now he's an Olympic, Diamond League, and world champion. So without further ado, please enjoy my analysis of Jakob's training. Okay, so Jakob's training is pretty complicated, and I want to go about this by starting by talking about the evolution of training approaches, and it all started with, with coach Arthur Lydiard, who popularized periodization, which basically says you have different periods during your individual season uh, that uh, you do different things in the seasons, and you basically do uh, only one thing during certain parts of the season. So, for example, there would be uh, a period in the season where you do base work, which would just be all easy paced running. So runs at like 60 to 70 percent of your max heart rate, just super easy stuff to build your aerobic foundation. Uh, so you do only that, maybe a couple strides, and then you'd work to strength work. Uh, and so a lot of strength work will shift to hills. Uh, so you'll do a lot of like hill repeats to build a whole bunch of strength there. And then you'll work on some tempo, so you'll slightly up the pace there uh, to accompany their easy runs and uh, using tempo runs. So again, like threshold runs, tempo runs, about 85 to 90% of your max heart rate. And then you'll do some race pace work. So for example, if you're training for a 5K, you'll do a lot of like 5K work. And then you'll do a whole bunch of like speed sessions, so quick stuff. And all of this stuff, uh, it's done at completely different phases of training. And theory is that if uh, uh, an athlete or a runner in general follows this style of training where they do one thing at, uh, at one time of the year, uh, they will be ready for peak at the end of training. And obviously they do easy running uh, the whole time, but uh, they focus on one other aspect, except for like the base training. And then uh, we came about with nonlinear periodization. So that was linear periodization. And then we came out with nonlinear periodization. So this is more like a modern approach where everything is done at once. So for example, in base training, you are gonna do some base, base, or, uh, base running, so like some easy runs, but you're also gonna do a lot of strides. You might do some hill workouts, some fartleks, so some faster stuff, and some threshold runs. So you're kind of mixing it all up. And then it slightly changes. So you might get into like the race specific phase and you might do some race work of race specific pacing. So like if for example, if you're training for a 5K, you might do some like, uh, K reps at your 5k pace, but 
uh, you still try to maintain some threshold work or some aerobic workouts. And so, again, you're throwing it all up at once. And so this is kind of like, this training approach is popularized by guys like Matt Fitzgerald. Uh, and then, of course, there's the Ingebrigtsen approach. But uh, I want to explain first that uh, Jakob's training is very unique. Uh, he often runs on a treadmill because it's a, a very controlled environment and effort tracking is uh, a lot easier on the treadmill. You don't have to worry about like uneven terrain, bad weather conditions, uh, just like you could, the, you could set the treadmill to a pace and run at it. And the way Jakob's training goes is the main, one of the main philosophies is that you should never work too hard or a workout should never be too hard to risk injury or to risk the uh, the greatness of tomorrow's run. So that's fairly similar to nonlinear periodization, but it's a very very much a long term approach. So it relies a lot on the general fitness or the the fundamentals the fundamentals sorry of training. So a lot of aerobic work, uh, a lot of basic neuromuscular work, but not a lot of like super fast pace work. Uh, and Jakob's 100 plus mile weeks allow his peak to be focused on that one variable uh so he can just literally with a little basic 1500 meter pace work Jakob can run fast in february like he did when he broke the 1500 meter world record and then he can run fast in august when he like broke the uh when he uh won the olympic championship or i guess when he uh he won the world championship because he's always healthy because he's always relying on his general fitness of threshold work and some uh, hills and easy runs which we'll get into later but uh, Gert developed, so Gert is Jakob's father, or the father of like the Ingebrigtsen brothers, and he developed his own training philosophy, although it is kind of based a lot on uh, the Norwegian model of threshold training developed by Marius Bakken. And obviously he studied scientific research and different training approaches, but he developed a unique formula where 25% of their training was done at a higher intensity compared to like 15 to 20% by most athletes. But this is because this intensity is very controlled. So like if they're gonna do some threshold work, the stuff would be very controlled. And they normally do around 11 to 12 training sessions per week. And similar to the Norwegian model of threshold training, uh, two days per week, there will be two quality sessions in the same day. So uh, morning and afternoon, but there would be less overall mileage on those days. So maybe on Tuesday, or this would be on like Tuesday or Thursday. So for example, in the morning for threshold stuff, they might do like five by six minutes at their lactate threshold uh, with a one to two minutes rest. I'd probably go down to like one minute. And then in the afternoon, they might do something like 25 by 400 meters with a 30 to 60 second rest or 10 by one kilometer uh, with one minute rest. And this is all their lactate threshold. And similar to the Norwegian model, uh, they measure the lactate levels during these sessions and they try to keep their lactate levels around three millimoles. So more precisely, they try to keep them around 2.5 in the morning when they do like the longer intervals of six minutes. And then they try to keep it around like around three millimoles in the afternoon when they're doing uh, some like 400s and uh, K repeats. And according to Trackstar, which is like a, a great YouTube channel, you should go check it out. They post some fire content or he posts some fire content. It's believed that the Ingebrigtsens now run 12 kilometers of total work. And again, Jakob, um, he's relatively young. And so obviously his training has progressed since his teenage years. But uh, for more info on threshold training, please listen to episode three of the Maka or sorry, the Sunday Shakeout uh, featuring some information on threshold training. And uh, to elaborate on these shorter intervals, they make 
uh, controlling the lactate levels pretty uh, easily and uh, it's a lot easier to control these lactate levels and it's just better overall. And so they might do like four to five threshold sessions per week. And I find this quite interesting. I mean, it builds a lot of basic fitness, uh, less injury involved with it. So it's a really smart and tactical approach. But then we get into hills, which uh, I think every runner should do. We're soon gonna make a episode on hill workouts and their importance and some examples you can do. And they do the Inga Brixens, specifically Jakob does a whole bunch of hills uh, during winter from like the November time period. So probably close to the end of cross country season when he just runs the European cross country championships. So he probably does hills around them. Uh, and during winter training, uh, he says that he runs around 181 kilometers or around 113 miles during his winter training. Uh, so that's a lot of mileage, but uh, a common hill workout that he might do is two sets of 10 by 200 meter hills, which is a very difficult workout. I've attempted this myself um, and you have a jog down recovery, but I've attempted this myself. You're basically going stride effort, uh, which is like pretty fast effort up this hill and you want to focus on really good technique and it's it's really difficult like you feel pretty gassed after about five reps of 200s but then you realize that you have to go another five of this set and then you have a break and you have to do 10 more of those hills so yeah uh, if you try this session i recommend starting with something like 10 by 200 meters hills with the jog down recovery because this is a little intense but yeah uh progression is key here and it's usually part of a double session day so the hills you could do he probably does his hill session in the morning and he said before one of the most challenging se sessions of the week and then he might do some threshold stuff in the afternoon and then we have some easy runs uh of course every runner does easy runs uh but Jakob has a big emphasis on closely monitoring his easy runs and it's even said that if a hill is too steep while uh, he's running an easy run they'll just walk up the hill because they they want the heart rate to be down because it's all about trying to recover and build that aerobic fitness so average easy runs for Jakob might be in the range of 8 to 15 kilometers so uh he'll do that with some like drills and mobility and stretching um but it's not he might al not always do these strengthening and conditioning so for example one day he might do 10 kilometers in the morning and 10 kilometers in the evening or like about around six miles in the morning six in the evening or he could do something like 10 kilometers in the morning and 8k in the evening so with some strengthening and conditioning so in this case he would subtract two kilometers in the evening and then add some stuff uh i think this is a very smart training approach uh obviously strength and mobility and stretching it's all very important uh, I found that if you just add a little bit of strength into your uh, regimen, uh, it goes a long, 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 long way. And uh, so that's great. But we're gonna talk about more of his strength training uh, just a tiny bit, but let's talk about his long runs first. Uh, surprisingly, his long, is actually, long runs aren't, actually aren't that long, excuse me. Uh, they're about like 10, actually 20 to 25 kilometers and uh it's very easy paced well at least for him like he's running 340 to 410 per kilometer which is around like 6 to 625 per mile maybe like 630 but it's so that's pretty fast for most people but for him that's really easy and it's all about just trying to hit like some e easy paced stuff uh to build his aerobic foundation but what, what i'm what i'm surprised about here is that he's running this these runs like super like i mean not super short like these long runs aren't like super short like obviously i haven't done a long run of 25k 
Actually, maybe I have. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh... Like, they're pretty short for an elite distance run. Like, most distance runners, uh, even, like, world-class milers like Nick Willis of New Zealand, uh, he runs long runs of around 18 miles. But Jakob, he doesn't really run too long of long runs. I guess it's because the main focus is a lot of threshold training, so he doesn't really want to burn out there. But uh, with, like, running a super long, long run, because, like, 20 kilometers, that's only around, like, 12 miles. 25, like, that's 15 miles. That's not that far. I've run a 15-mile long run before. But, uh, yeah, and then for strength training, uh, like I said earlier, we're gonna get in depth here, but, uh, it's the main, like, meat of the strength training he does is, uh, on Sunday after a long run, uh, it's pretty weights-focused, honestly. Uh, the Norwegian, like, way of lifting weights is that they lift a whole bunch of weights to increase their power output, meaning that they, uh, they travel further with each stride while using the same amount of effort. Obviously, if you use the same amount of effort while traveling further, you're going to run faster. So that really helps. Uh, also, like this helps with injury resilience. So that's pretty good. But um, so all of this stuff is mainly like the hills. That's a lot of easy stuff or not easy stuff. Sorry. It's a lot of base work um, like the hills. But once they start to get into the competition phase, uh, Yaka might decrease the volume slightly. So he might uh, take away the hill sessions and replace them with race pace reps. This includes some like fast strides uh, a few days before racing to increase muscle tension and to increase the amount of muscle fibers that are able to be recruited and able to be used for the race. So this obviously primes Jakob for racing, but in general, some great sessions that they do for 1500 pace work since Jakob specializes in the 1500 meters. He might do something like 10 by 300 meters with a 90 seconds rest, and this is at 300 pace. Uh, we don't have like an exact recovery here, but he might do also something like 10 by 400 meters at their uh, at his 1500 pace. Uh, and so those are some pretty basic sessions. Obviously, this is in the comp competition phase. So earlier in the base phase, he's going to do some hills, but uh, I find it really interesting. His final three days before a race. He does two short speed sessions, and an example might be on Wednesday, assuming that he is like a Saturday race. He might do something like eight kilometers easy in the morning, and then in the afternoon, he's going to do like a 20 minute jog warm up, and then he'll do something like maybe two by two minutes at threshold? What? Four minutes of threshold work? What? That's not a lot of work. Um, but then, interesting, he might do like, he might add some like, little strides here so like three by 300 five by 200 at 1500 so i guess the 1500 stuff is the bulk of it but i find it really interesting that they want to keep uh, adding some threshold i just guess maybe it helps with like their rhythm but then on thursday they completely just lay low in the morning 30 minutes easy afternoon 30 minutes easy then friday it's it's pretty easy here um like obviously the session is pretty fast but it's pretty easy they it's they kind of like work down here they go uh, and the, this is the sessions in the morning because they want to have as much rest as they can for the next day but they might do something like in the morning like 200 meters 150 meters and then two by 120 fast uh so it's all pretty fast uh might be around 1500 pace but it could be even faster and they have like a walk jog recovery and then finally on friday they might do something like uh 15 minutes of easy stuff in the morning with two strides and then the, uh, obviously in the afternoon they race so overall i think this is a very interesting training approach that pretty much everyone can learn from i think that this is very very different from non-linear periodization 
uh, where it's like a non-linear periodization has like a mix of everything. This is all kind of just like, oh, we're gonna like put it like just a whole bunch of threshold stuff in the base and then it works. Like, uh, I remember like, I think it was March, maybe February, Jakob did his first outdoor race and he ran a 13 like something, like low 13s in the 5k and he hadn't done any pace work. It was like literally just threshold stuff and hills. And Jakob's just like, okay, I'm just gonna come out here and win this simple race. Uh, and he even beat like Abdi Nur, who like won the, or who broke the collegiate record for the uh, 5K, but it's pretty crazy. Uh, but uh, did you even think at all that this was the end of the podcast? I mean, we said that like we were gonna do some like talk about Jakob, but we have a bonus section here, guys. We're gonna talk about the European Championships for cross country. And uh, to start, it's in Italy. And they have many of greatest, the greatest European athletes and runners here, obviously, at this competition. And there's lots of speed, including Jakob Ingebrigtsen. And so uh, it was a very muddy, muddy course with not great conditions. Uh, and what's interesting enough is with this course, it, it runs through a castle uh, in Italy. And it adds a nice variety and touch. Jakob even likes it. Uh, and he's kind of hard to impress sometimes. Uh, and it's like rolling hills and tough conditions. So... Uh, and even Charles Hicks, like when he did his pre-race interview, uh, the like camera looked down and he had some very, uh, very muddy trainers from uh, taking a run through with the course. But talking of ch about Charles Hicks, uh, he was uh, in the U23, under 23 division uh, for the cross country championships. And going into the race, he was, he just like, he just raced the NCAA cross country championships. Obviously he won that race. So uh in his pre-race press conference he said that he uh he was kind of beat up last year from the ncaa's but he said this year he feels really ready he got some volume in uh he got a little rest and then he got some volume in and then he tapered off before this race but yeah i find it very impressive how great an athlete hicks is and how he's able to like transition very quickly from a very demanding 10 kilometer race to uh to go all the way to italy from the west coast to uh to make a, a race in italy which is pretty cool so going uh, uh, as the race started, uh, Hicks asserted his dominance immediately, uh, moving up to uh, the first few rows like he always does. Uh, and after 22 minutes of the race, uh, Hicks made a definitive move uh, to make it to the front, and he was in the lead. And he had uh, basically just a very strong uh, drive to the finish. And interestingly enough, this uh, cross country championships is like around like 7.66 kilometers, and he raced it in around 23:40. So. Uh, I'm not a big, like, I'm not a virtual or real, like, real human life pace calculator, but, uh, I assume 2340 on a cross-country course is pretty fast, uh, but he clearly wasn't beat up from NCAAs like he was last year, and Charles Hicks, obviously, he's, uh, a native of the UK, and so Great Britain as a team, uh, won, and, uh, interestingly enough, before the race, Charles Hicks says that, uh, he has an Olympic dream of competing for Great Britain, and he says it's because, obviously, uh, it's where his origin and running came, which, I, good for him, that's great. I'm a big fan of Charles Six. But going into the senior men's race, talking about Jakob Ingebrigtsen in his training, uh, Jakob was the obvious favorite for this race, uh, and he's made a name for himself even more than when he won this race last year. Uh, Jakob, obviously, has become a Diamond League champion, has run the fastest mile in 20 years this year, is the silver medalist in the year, um, 
in the Olympic 1500, or sorry, <laughs> the World Championships for the 1500. He is the world champion in the 5000 meters. Uh, he is a double Olympic or a double European champion. He broke the record indoors for the 1500 meters. He is a silver medal in the indoor 1500s. And I could just keep going all day. But uh, he is clearly uh, cemented his name as one of the greatest Norwegian runners, if not the greatest Norwegian runner of all time. And so Jakob starts in the middle of the pack, and like he always does, he's like slowly winds up to the lead. So normally when they come off like the first few corners, you don't really see Jakob. You're like, where's Jakob? Like he's supposed to be at the front. He's supposed to be winning this race. He is, he's gonna win the race, but he's just gonna wind up slowly. And it's a very effective strategy for Jakob is because he just kind of gets to feed off everybody else's pace. He gets to conserve energy and slowly wind up and kick hard at the end. It was like the last 400 to 800, actually like the last mile to 400 meters, as he's proven that he can run 53 seconds for a final 400 meters on like a track. And so 12 minutes into the race, we have Krippa of Italy, who's in the lead. And this guy is no joke. He's like a world-class runner. He ran, uh, I think around 351, maybe 352 in the mile. Uh, so a very impressive runner. And uh, he was going pretty strong, uh, but... Jakob, you could visibly see him as the race got on. He was making his way up through the pack pretty quickly. And on the very last hill, Jakob gapped the field by 10 seconds. And I think Krippa dropped back to like fourth. Um, but Jakob eventually ended up winning the 10K uh, race in 29 minutes and 33 seconds. And uh, this really puts a bow on uh, the 2022 season for him as he's, uh, like I said earlier, uh, he's really had some great accomplishments this year, but he said in his, I think it was his post-race interview, maybe it was his pre-race interview, one of his press conferences or interviews, that um, he he doesn't know if he's going to race indoors or not, because it kind of all depends on if he's healthy or not, because uh, he doesn't want to sacrifice being uh, a little under the weather for the, uh, the indoor championships, because it's not as important to him as running a great outdoors in Budapest, but clearly Jakob isn't very far behind. He's proven his potential as a, a young 21 to 22 year old from, from Norway, and obviously he'll be a big threat for the world championships in Budapest next year and for many world records to come. Uh, although he is very far off from uh, some of the world records from uh, the greats like Eile Gab Gabrosolowski and uh, uh, Joshua Cheptegei. But as a track and field fan, I can't wait to see what's ahead, and uh, the big question is, what's the future for Jakob? I hope you enjoy this episode of the Sunday Shakeout. It was a pleasure to make. I always love talking about uh, probably my idol in the sport of running, uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen, and also the very interesting European cross-country championships that went down. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider... Uh, following or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, I hope you guys really like this uh, this podcast. And I hope you all listen to this uh, next week as well. When we talk about some of my uh, favorite running shoes and uh, how you can apply them to your training. But I uh, hope you all have a great week, guys. Uh, I know next week it will be Christmas when I post the ne next episode. So have a great uh, holidays with your family, and yeah, peace out. This is the Sunday Shakeout.